just to be authentic, it's really funny the things you think about when you come up here, and it's like, it's not what you really think about, it's like, are my pants zipped up? Do I have a belt on? Did I wear the right shoes? And one of the problems is my wife is not home, and I did not get to review these things with her this morning. So, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny, I wear a blue shirt and khakis every day at work. Here I go. Blue shirt and khakis again. I have no, no margin for change. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is last time I met with you guys, I introduced you to my grandchildren because uh, I don't talk in front of people that aren't my friends. And we introduced each other. I was Nolan and Bridget are my friends now because we know who my grandchildren are. They're on the cup. They are with me. Um, the other thing I didn't know would happen after I spoke three months ago is that my grandson in Uganda watches the video of me teaching almost weekly, which is just really interesting to me. So I'm going to take one moment of privilege right here because I... Hey, Br- hey, Bridget. Hey, Nolan. It's good to see you. Be good for Mama. Have a good night. Sleep well. Love you, buddy. Love you, Bridget. There you go. Thank you for that moment of privilege there. So, hey, you're a grandparent. You get privilege. All right. I'm just going to take that. So, like Lori said, I'm Michael Hanna. Uh, I have uh, I've been a member uh, on our uh, E3 for 10 years or so. I don't know. Who counts? I, numbers are weird. Uh, it's been a long time. My children were this big, and now they're this big. So, that means a lot. Um, three months ago, I, I came in with this attitude of, look, if I teach, uh, I had three days prep. If I teach and it goes well, then God be glorified. That's great. If I blow it, I never have to do this again. <laughs> I'm back. I'm going to try a little bit harder this time. So uh, the series we're in right now is, is, is called 12 Words. And uh, it, it's a season of unpacking the boxes of the clutter that accumulates in our lives. And spiritually speaking, it's, it's decluttering or cleaning our house. Uh, and the series is about the 12 essentials of spirituality that we need to unpack, to declutter, clean out, and get back to the basic essentials of spirituality. Um, last year, my wife Martha went to Uganda for five weeks to, uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, for the birth of my granddaughter Bridget. Matter of fact, her birthday was Wednesday, uh, so it's pretty cool uh, that it's been a year ago when this happened. So she left for five weeks, and I said, aha! I have an idea. I'm going to redo all the floors in three rooms of the house. I'm going to change them out while she's gone because I knew if I did it when she was there, she would kill me. <laughs> so so I, I, in the process of trying to redo your bedroom, let me just say, that is the room that accumulates things. So you have to move everything out. So I move the bed out. I move the chest of drawers out. I move the armoire out. The, it's, it's just awful. The, the side table, who does this to a side table? How can that be? You know, the stuff that accumulates there is ridiculous. So it's out of the house. It's, it's in the living room. It's in the kitchen. It's in the hallway. I'm sleeping in a chair because I can't use the bed anymore. Uh, I finished this thing. Up. Friends come over to help because they realize that I'm in trouble. So, so friends have come out. We, we, we got everything sparkling. Uh, it, it was a matter. The spices were even alphabetized at this point, okay? Thanks, Lori Green, on that one. It was difficult to purge the things. It was a difficult process. But on, on day seven of week five, we got it done. Um, you know what? If you look at my house today, you would think I'd done nothing. There, there's, a, there's a new table in the kitchen that's full of stuff. My bedside table is full of stuff. I need to go do this again. Martha's gone 10 days. I think I can get some of this done. I don't think it'll take five weeks because the floors are all done. Um, 
Last week, uh, it, what I'm trying to say is a repeating practice, right? So we unpack these boxes, we need to do them again. We, we, we can't just say, unpacked it, we're all good. So we have, to, we have to readdress these things that build up in our lives. Um, last week, Mike spoke about denial, right? And uh, maybe we'll get it. Yeah, there it is. So denial is a river in Africa. <laughs> Mike wouldn't do that last week. Sorry. Our E3 team right now, as we speak, is on the Nile River. So I thought it was appropriate to bring that up. They're, they're, they're maybe getting off the Nile River right now, but they are on there today. So it does flow north. It's very strange. All right, it's a dad joke. Sorry, got to do it. This does remind me of this is an opportunity to remember to pray for our Ugandan team. Uh, they, they got there great overnight in Johannesburg, made it, to, uh, made it to Entebbe, had a very long traffic field drive through Kampala back up. Kampala's traffic is the worst in the world, and they proved that. Uh, it was horrible. But they unpacked probably, I think, 12 or 13 cases of material yesterday uh, for missions there at GSF. So thank you so much for what E3 did to support that. It was, uh, they will thank you as well, but it was amazing. We, we packed that, 50-pound cases. Uh, the first two weeks ago, I had eight 50-pound cases packed already. And you guys, you guys did that. That was nothing we did. Um, so Mike spoke about denial as it relates to self-honesty, right? Self-introspection and how we look at each other. This week, get a little tricky. We're going we're gonna to unpack the box of secrecy, all right? So, so my wife, Martha, I always talk about Martha, and she gives me permission to do this, so it's, it's okay. So we've been married, this August will be 33 years. So uh, our first year of marriage, y'all can remember back when the first year of marriage uh, comes around? We had to figure out what it was like to pay the bills. And uh, somebody really wise looked at us and said, look, you know, the one of you who is highest detail take charge of the bills. I thought it was a great idea. Martha said no. So, so I got in charge of the bills. Uh, like I said, clearly we did not listen. So I'm looking at the bills, and I'm juggling, you know, one and a half incomes, trying to figure out, and the $100 power bill is staring me in the face with a July 1st due date. July 1st and Thomas' due date. And I read the fine print, it says $105 if not paid until the 7th. Not paid by the 1st. I said, so I can delay payment by a week and pay five more dollars, and I'll get paid again between then. This is a good plan. I like it. I like it. Martha says, hey, have you paid that bill? Got it all taken care of. Why? It's a secret, right? I didn't tell her the truth. I was hiding this thing. I was floating money. I was scared. My security was, there's a certain level in my bank account I felt good with, and I, and I hid that. So the first passes, we're getting to the six, and I'm like, this is going to work. It's going to work. I'm anxious. I'm at work. This is before cell phones now, 33 years ago, right? Believe it or not, no cell phones. I get this call. Michael? Michael? You have a phone call in the office. Oh, okay. Hello? Hey! What? Wait a minute. I can't understand you. Slow down. No, you're crying. What? The truck just left. What? Yeah, it's July. I know it's July. It's getting hot. They, they turned off the power. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I hear Katie crying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear. Don't put her on the phone. I hear her crying. It's okay. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll call. I'll call. I'll call. Hello, hello. Next phone call. Hey, power company. This is. Yeah, yeah. This is Michael. You just you just left my house. It, cash only. Oh, I'm out of town. Oh, oh, okay. 
All right, we'll, we'll we, we can turn on today if we get the cat. Okay, thanks. Hey, Martha? Martha? Are you? Hey. Ooh, it's cold. Um, I need you to do something for me. Can you go to the bank and pull out $105 and take it in cash to the... Hello? Hello? <sighs> that was a bad, bad deal. So, so what did she feel? Dejection. She, her trust was broken with me. What did I feel? Shame. Oh, oh, y'all. Listen to your daughter cry on the phone because it's hot in the house. Uh, Gut-wrenching here crying on the phone. Martha was not speaking to me. I, I was so dumb. I was so dumb. Uh, no smartphone reminders at the time. Uh, that is not a way to win your newlyweds' heart, okay? I thought I could keep a secret and seem minor, uh, but it disrupted her sense of security and trust. It affected us for years and has happened several times. <clears throat> you think one would be enough? It caused her to distrust me in the realm of money. She didn't trust me to be honest with her, and she was insecure and scared. Then the greatest thing happened. Auto draft. <laughs> it was awesome. So that has solved that problem, which is nice. And most things in my life are auto draft now, just because I am ADD to the max. Um, a friend of mine told me the story this week, and maybe you can relate to this. They were a young couple, and they had children, and they both decided to quit smoking. This this series has provoked a lot of conversations at work, y'all. So it's been really interesting. I said secrets in marriage. Man, they just started hitting me with stuff. So they decided to quit smoking, and the the, the wife quit. The husband quit. It was all good. They were holding babies. They didn't smell like smoke. They felt good about it. So the wife one day gets in the husband's truck to go to get something, and he opens up the console to do something, and there's two Swisher Sweet cigars sitting in there, and it broke her heart. She was like, broken trust. And I said, what did it feel like? She said, broken trust, hurt. Um, and I said, well, what did he feel when you come? She said, well, I picked up the phone. I said, we're going to talk when you get home. <laughs> she said he was, he was ashamed. He was embarrassed. Uh, he didn't want to feel like a failure in front of her, so he kept it a secret. He tied her love for him into his ability to top, stop smoking. As long as, she, as long as she believed he stopped, he was good. It was just a lie, right? So it wasn't true. Uh, all he needed to do was talk to her. All he needed to do was talk to her, have a conversation. Hey, I'm struggling but he wouldn't confess because he needed to feel like not a failure. Sometimes secrets can be extra selfish for reasons. Uh, a friend of mine invited another couple up to a mountain house that they were renovating. And uh, the, the real reason that the friend invited the couple up to the mountain house was they were doing the renovations and he could inspire his wife to finish the renovations by July 1st when they were going to be there. So she said, oh, yeah, we got to get this finished. So they were working, 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 working. Well, two weeks before the couple was supposed to arrive to visit, they called and canceled their trip. My friend said, I don't think I'm going to tell her because I need this house finished. Yeah, all right. You picked up on that one pretty fast, didn't you? So the day arrives when their couple is supposed to arrive, and he goes, hey, by the way, they, uh, they canceled uh, coming to see us, and uh, they won't be here. Hey, but the house looks great, doesn't it? You can kind of just imagine how the rest of that went. I won't even detail that. Um, all these stories about secrets result in, in one particular thing, right? It's relational damage. All right, there's relational damage on both sides. One is, one is on the person keeping the secret, 
and one is on the, uh, the person that is betrayed by the secret. Uh, the one keeping the secret, he's feeling that. He knows it. He is changing his behavior internally towards you. You know, my friend that thought that his, her husband had quit smoking, I'm so proud of you for quitting smoking. You have done so great. Ugh. It was crushing him. He was relationally divided because he was keeping a secret. Um, I kind of went into the difference between uh, denial and secrets a little bit. One of the big things, the difference between denial and secrets is awareness. I know what I'm doing, right? Intention. I am keeping my actions from you to keep you in the dark. And emotion. I have shame and it's affecting my relationship with you. All right? Those are... Those are those are powerful words in a relationship, right? That is, that is, that is so destructive, and it's such an intentional thing. Um, it's selfish. I did something because I wanted to. Now I'm hiding it to avoid the possible consequences. We know it's wrong. We are more afraid of the reaction to the information than the response to discovering it. Wrong. I'm going to tell you that's backwards. Some secrets are tougher than others. I've kept this pretty light, but we know where we can go with secrets. What is it like to live with secrets? How do, what, is, what, is, what, is, what does God say about it? What do we feel about it? So if you've had a secret and you know it, what does it feel like? What is it, have you had that nausea? You know you've kept something from a spouse or a friend, and you're like, oh, I know. They, they told me how proud they are of me, and I'm just like dying inside. I feel, I feel just broken, and I'm, I love you so much. like, oh, I love you too. But if you just knew... Stomach hurts, nausea, lightheaded, no energy. It just it will wear you out. Uh, the uh, Psalm 32, 3 through 5, which we read earlier, says, Before I confessed my sins, I love this, my bones felt limp and I groaned all day long. Night and day, your hand weighed heavily on me and my strength gone as in summer heat. So I confessed my sins and told them all to you. I said, I'll tell the Lord each one of my sins then you forgave me and took away my guilt. Can you relate to the weighing heavily, so shaken you can't focus and concentrate through shame and guilt? Um, I'm glad we don't have to stop there, right? So it continues on in that forgiveness to free us from that guilt. So what are secrets doing? Then They're holding on to them so hard. Secrets protect a false sense of being loved, not for who we are, but who we want you to think we are. It's a fake front. Uh, while inside, we still feel very unlovable. If we feel unloved, and here's where, the, here's where the problem happens. If we feel unlovable, we feel like we can't connect with our spouse. We feel like we can't connect with our friends because we have this thing in our life that is blocking us. If we feel unlovable, we struggle to receive love, right? Because I, I, I hear you say, I love you so much. You're like, ah, no, you don't. You don't know. I block that love. If we struggle to receive love, how can we feel God's love in our lives, let alone be a reflection of God's love to others. You, if you can't receive it, you can't give it. Your cup will never overflow if you cannot receive that love. You, this is something you have to get free of. It's destructive and paralyzing. It is the opposite of freedom. Paul Young, the author of The Shack, said, we're trying to protect, and I heard him in a, a conversation in Atlanta. Um, he, he has a relationship with my brother, and there's a conversation up there, and we, we talked. Well, my brother talked to him, and one of the things he said was, he says, we are, uh, we're trying to protect a false veneer of perfection in our lives, while inside our soul is a decrepit shack. What's holding you back? Number one, do you think you're hiding it from God? Really? Luke 8, 17 specifically says, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, 
and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Uh-oh. I was talking to a, a counselor a friend of mine. He actually was my roommate in college, and I, we, we've been connecting lately, and, and, uh, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a counselor. And, you know, your roommate's never been beyond that point of being your roommate, right? He's always the goof that you, you had and you played and football with or whatever. Well, it turns out he wrote Celebrate Recovery. Okay, so this guy has no, no, no dummy, and I've really enjoyed interacting with him quite a bit. And he's, his, his comment was, God will rat you out. <laughs> but not for your shame, but for your benefit. That's hard to, that's hard to feel, but, it's, it, but, it's, but, but as a counselor who deals with 12 steps, he's like, it is not to your shame, it's to your benefit. Uh, have you heard this phrase? Oh, I hate this phrase. I need to tell you something. Oh, this is one of the hardest sentences ever to say, but it's also very hard to hear, okay? Uh, the other church term we use for that is confession. Um, uh, you're saying, I'm about to be vulnerable. Uh, I'm about to squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube that can't be put back in. Uh, you're about to be uh, intimate. And the way I look at the word intimacy in a relationship is into me, see. Okay, it is it is opening up so you can look inside the parts of me that I am trying so desperately to hide, but I have chosen to reveal them to you because you are that important, and we need to get this right. So intimacy and intimacy, I think, are important terms to to kind of come to grips with. We can't just ignore it; it's too relationally destructive. Um, it's also one of the scariest senses to hear. You know, as a listener in this, can I deal with this? Because uh, you don't know what's coming. So you steal yourself up. Where's this going to land? Listen with grace. Fear plays a big part. Do not let it, let it rule you as a listener. Uh, the closer the relationship, the harder that is. But I'm just telling you that, that 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love drives out fear. And if you're entering into that fear, confess that to God. Enter back into the love and let's get some understanding. Listen to confessions with love and understanding and compassion, not just passion. Right? If we listen with just passion, we react with passion. If we listen with compassion, we come into an understanding of, wow, that is really painful for you, and you're being very vulnerable to tell me this thing. And that is, that is a cool thing. So going back to Martha, because I can. So as I told you last time up here, we met our freshman year, and during that orientation, uh, I immediately fell in love with her, and three years later, she fell in love with me. So... During that three years, God allowed us the freedom to talk. We talked, we talked, we talked. Didn't have cell phones, but we had lines, landlines, and it was, it was amazing what we learned about each other. We broached every subject in dating, family, faith, friends. We, it's, it's bizarre because we weren't dating each other. We were just friends. Um, well, I was in love, so that helped. Um, she shared from the depths of her soul, and I did too. We listened to each other and had compassion we didn't judge each other on the things in our life that weren't pure and clean, the tough stuff, the things you don't want to talk about, but we did. The payoff was huge. Uh, when we started dating, we only needed nine months to know that the search was over, and we got engaged, and we married with no secrets. I knew her junk. She knew mine. It was a beautiful way to start a marriage. No fear, no secrets, until the power bill came due. Who you confess to is very important. Uh, how they will hear it and receive it 
This is why children go to their mothers uh, first to tell bad news, right? Y'all know it's true. Uh, another friend of mine this week, found a, he said 10 years ago, he found a scratch on the side of his truck, and he went to his son and said, hey, what, what happened? And son said, I don't know, Dad. That's crazy. There's a scratch all on the inside of your truck. Well, this last week, his son came to him and said, hey, Dad, I got something I want to talk to you about. It's been bothering me. 10 years. He said, you know that scratch on the truck? The one we sold five years ago? He said, yeah. I, uh, I hit the mailbox with that. He said, it's all right, son. That's old news, and I'm, I'm sorry that, uh, that you couldn't talk to me about it. He said, well, you at that time, I, you would have blown up and killed me. He said, you know, you're right, and I, and, and, I, and I understand why you didn't come to me. Be a parent, be a friend who is not going to explode. Compassion, compassion, compassion. You want to make sure that they, they, your kids have the ability to come and talk to you. And I, I struggle with this sometimes. You bring up grades to me, I'm like, what happened with this grade? I just lose it. So there, there are areas that you've got you to kind of monitor. Um, let me say what confession is not. Putting it on Facebook or Instagram is not confession. It is simply stupid. I use the S word, all right? <laughs> all right, so I'm going in a little different area here. Um, be careful who you confess to, right? Because there are different levels of confession. There's a TV series that I will not recommend to you that I think you should not watch that is a terrible series that is so well done, it's amazing. So I'm, I'm in conflict about talking to you about it. And that series is Breaking Bad. Uh, y'all, sorry to confess that I have watched this series and been amazed. Uh, again, do not think you should watch it. It is a terrible, terrible, terrible train wreck. You can't look away. This is, so this is Walter White. And Walter White on the right is a chemist. He's a high school teacher. He uh, discovered... A little bit of spoilers here, not too much. I got one worse later that will spoil it more. Um, you know, he has secrets. He has cancer. He's trying to figure out how to fund his treatment. He won't ask for help. He's got pride. He becomes a global drug manufacturer due to his chemistry background. Uh, and I'm watching this show, and I'm yelling at the television. But his relationship with his wife, his kids, his, his, uh, his, uh, his drug-enforcing uh, brother-in-law, just tell the truth. Just anywhere in there, he could have stopped and said, here's what I'm into. I can't get out of it. This is a problem. People are trying to kill me. And, and, and I yelled. It was really funny. I was by myself. I felt stupid. So, so he, he finally realized he needs to tell a secret to someone. He's got to feel this out. So he tells this secret to Saul Goodman, Esquire. If you know this show at all, this is the worst idea he could have possibly done. This is a mob lawyer, a drug lawyer, who teaches him how to launder money and get worse and worse and worse into the situation. He does not help problems. He's a failed lawyer. It is awful. It could not have been any worse. So what I tell you from this story is that don't trust someone who is as messed up as you. Don't tell someone who is messed up as you. If someone you tell knows the truth but keeps you on a bad path, this will eventually lead to destruction. And I tell you, that is where Walter White goes. Spoiler alert. If you do not feel you're ready to be able to tell the person affected, whether it be spouse, friend, uh, whatever, then you... Find someone trustworthy who has a track record of helping others, not somebody just really nice, who has a track record of helping others, and you sit down with them and say, I'm in, a, I'm in a mess. And then you start putting together a team that can help you if it's that bad. You do not have to do this alone. That is community. Um, so Walter White sought some, sought some help there in the wrong place. And, and Scripture says very specifically, 
Uh, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. This is Psalm 1-1. Do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they do what? They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating it on it day and night. You know, it, it's, it's rare that the reality of this is heard. I, I called someone the other day and I said, hey, I need some advice on something. And I said, hey, I saw this and what did you think? And the person didn't answer my question. He said, tell you what, I'm going to go away and meditate on that for an hour and I'll call you back. It was beautiful. And the response I got back was God-filled, Holy Spirit ordained, and it was amazing. And it made a difference in my life as opposed to, yeah, try harder. We, we need to access the Holy Spirit in these things. It's not easy to do on our own. So Walter White continues in his deception. And he goes into another type of confession, which is wrong, okay? And God talks about this. It's, the example of this kind of confession is a confession without repentance, right? So, he, you know, it's re, it, repentance, the easy term for this is returning back to God's perspective, turning away from what you're doing, return back to God's perspective on you. So 2 Corinthians 7, 10 says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. This is a tough scene you're going to see. Walt is talking to his wife, and he is trying. She is still thinking, hey, you're just in this too deep. You need to get out. I'm sorry. We, we just tell somebody to be fine. But his heart is cold. And you can hear it right here. Walt, please, let's both of us stop trying to justify this whole thing and admit you're in danger. Who are you talking to right now? Who is it you think you see? Do you know how much I make a year? I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what would happen if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it could be listed on the NASDAQ goes belly up, disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Can you, can you sense that? That's heavy, right? Can you sense the pride and arrogance in him that has developed in his spiritual death? That he has, he has no way he wants to turn from this. He is locked in. He has no sense of change, no sense of shame. So how we confess is important. That confession is just painful, and she is devastated in this. And, the, and it goes on to his eventual destruction, and, and destruction of all those around him. It is, it is a train wreck, uh, but it tells a story of, of lack of remorse. If we, if, we, if we go beyond this a little bit and go back to Psalm 32, David says uh, in, in another type of confession that we run into these days, in, in in Psalm 32, he says that we need to tell all our secrets, all right? He didn't say, I told him a lot of the stuff I was doing. In that scripture, he says, I told all my secrets. I listed them one by one. Uh, I read an article in a research journal uh, about half confessions, about incomplete confessions that said they were just as bad as lies, as keeping the secrets. I was thinking of examples of half-truths, and, and I need to tell you this all, all aside, I'm a geek. Okay, I am a total geek and maybe a nerd. I'm not sure which one we are. So when I used to put my daughter to sleep, I would, I would go to kiss her and I'd say, good night, nerd. And she would, good night, geek. 
And, uh, and she sometimes still says this. It depends on what I've just told her. Uh, so my geek factor expanded May 25th, 1977. What was it? Star Wars. What episode? Four. Four? What is this? This is awesome. How did they do this? Episode four. I missed one through three? No, that was later. It was no good. Um, so, so I'm going to go a little deep into Star Wars here, and, and there is going to be pretty good spoilers. Uh, so if you haven't seen Star Wars yet, shame on you. But, but how old is Star Wars? Do you know? 42 years old. That's crazy, right? So this movie, I was taken in by this story, and I, I just loved it. I was 13 years old, started watching this. A little old lady took me to see it. She said, ooh, that was very good. And uh, so, I, so I saw the story. I loved it. I started to show it to my children when they were old enough. It is their favorite movie. It is my favorite movies. Uh, it's, it's just been fun to share that. My son, actually, before he got engaged to his wife, built a fort under a table. This is an adult doing this. Put a TV there, and they watched the Star Wars movies to make sure she liked it before she would get married. So, hey, you got you to test those things out. Um, so, in, in this first episode, episode four, there's a conversation between Luke and Obi-Wan, which involves half-truths. We don't know this at the time, but it does. So let's look at that and let's, let's kind of break that down a little bit. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. All right. Well, we got set up, didn't we? So we're watching that. We're going, okay, we go through the story. Um, uh, let's see, how many years later? So 77 to 1980, uh, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back comes out, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Deep and dark, right? So, so at this point... We, we, we heard Obi-Wan. We understand the situation. And then this happens. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No! No! Oh, the agony. Shock and dismay. I remember walking out of the theater going, No! That can't be true. Obi-Wan didn't say that. How can you justify these two things? That's not what he said. You know how many years we had to wait? Three more years before we find out the truth that it actually was his father. So, so in this process, we're, we've been told a partial truth, and it caused amazing damage to Luke there on the hanging off thing. Um, yeah, in Bespin Cloud City. There you go. I knew it. Um, you know, Darth is lying. It's not true. I, I didn't believe it. There's this pain, the shock. Even me, you know, he kissed his sister twice. Ugh. So three years later, uh, we, we get to know the truth. Uh, Return of the Jedi, um, May 25th, 1983. Um, no, excuse me. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, the truth is revealed. Luke makes his peace with the information. And this is important for us to realize. that We can hear that information, half-truth, be discovered and still process it well. 
So how we manage that information is super important. Instead of being burned or bitter by the lie he was told, he used it to pursue restoration for his father and with his father. In an epic battle, when Luke is being killed by the emperor's lightning bolts, love wins, Darth Vader chooses, God, chooses good, not God, sorry, chooses good and sacrifices himself to save Luke. That's a picture of restoration. So we'll watch this real quick. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. to save you. You already have. You were right. You were right about me. Tell your sister. You were right. All right. So we have resolution and restoration. So the solution in this confession is humility. Uh, not half-truths, not, not flagrant, um, arrogant confessions. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith, bring, that, that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Sincere heart, faith, free from guilt, drawing near to God. Uh, John 8.31 says, To the Jews who had believed Him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings and are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And in 36, it says, So if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free from guilty conscience, free from secrets, free from sin. So this is available. Why do we live in secrets? I think it's because we doubt God. We play those tapes in our heads, I'm not good enough. If he knew, he would not accept me. I'm not loved or lovable. We are afraid we cannot trust him, and it breaks his heart because they're lies that the, 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 the dark powers of this world are telling us. They're not truth. We doubt who God says we are. We need to get this right and stop living in defeat and failure and secrets. It starts with confession, and it leads to repentance. So how does God see it? How does God see us if he doesn't see us as failures? Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, beloved, is the other term for that, church word, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, a family. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. If we are His children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, 
And if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. That does not ring that we are defeated and beaten people. That rings of a victory in my mind. So this doubt is born of fear. Secrets are the child of fear and doubt. They get together and they make us do secrets. So in fear and doubt, we lie. We make those secrets. We don't live as children of God. And that is the plan of the enemy, right? Don't live in victory. Don't be afraid, God says. Perfect love drives out that fear. The Bible says, be not afraid or fear not over 300 times. That is important. That is important. By confession, we move away from our box of secrets. We find truth. In truth, we find freedom and radical compassion and forgiveness. We are restored to God and restored relationally with each other. I'm going to invite the band to come on up here. In, uh, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's, that's, that's the way we should be. We need to be in that. We need to live in that victory every day. If you've got secrets, let's, we have to take this into heart. God wants us to live outside of that. 